This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is the Talking Dead podcast number 242, recorded on Monday, November the 22nd, 23rd, 2015. <laughs> One of those two. It's, yeah, it's sometime in November. It is. It's the 23rd. It's the 23rd. I didn't update my notes. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Anyhow, it's uh, number 242, Talking Dead podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are here to talk about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which we will do in a minute. But there's one thing I just want to mention before we start, and that is that a week ago on this show, I mentioned that my wife was going for an MRI and we Mm -hmm. might not be able to do a feedback show on Wednesday. Well, it turns out we did and everything was fine, but I got a lot of email from people concerned emails about uh you know well-wishers hoping she's okay and that's good yeah and and just wanted to make sure everything was fine and i can tell everyone everything is fine and in fact if you want to hear a little bit more about what's going on stick around after the podcast and i'll expand on it but i know not everybody is really all that into hearing about it right now so uh, i won't get into it here but after the show maybe i'll talk about it briefly so stick around if you're interested but otherwise Thank you to everyone who sent in concerned emails. It was very nice. Uh, All right. So let's move on into our recap for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. And here's what it was called. Heads up. Heads up. Heads up. Thank you to Clyde, who's six years old, and Sam in Decatur, Georgia, and same James in Ireland where the title reads. So it's called Heads Up. Um, We will, I don't know, maybe get into why, but uh, I think we should dive right into the recap here. Dive it in, dive it in. So we start with a black screen, and we hear the sound of some walkers making their typical walker sound. And then we hear Nicholas say thank you, still over a black screen. And uh, we then see Glenn and him fall into the herd, which we, we saw four weeks ago or whatever it was on that infamous episode and we see a different perspective on what's happening on the on the floor or uh on the the uh, ground this time yeah and i actually uh i did let out a yell i did yell at the tv at this moment well i i think what i want to do here jason is get through the whole recap and then talk about this situation with glenn okay but if you want to just tell us what you yelled or why you were yelling that would be fine well, I yelled, he is alive, we were right, you bastards. Okay. That's what I yelled at the uh, at the TV. <laughs> That's exactly what you said, eh? That's exactly what I said. That's a quote. I figured I'd remember that, just so I can relay it to you. Well, that's good. That's that's appropriate. Yes, that's what we see. We see Glenn lying on the ground on his back, and we see Nicholas on top of him, kind of across him, and we see the walkers tearing apart Nick. So while this is happening, Glenn manages to slide himself under the dumpster. And while he's there, once he gets under there, some walkers start reaching under, but he stabs a few uh, with a knife I guess he had on his body and ends up being pretty much safe under there. Yeah, they leave him alone after a while. They do, yeah. So we get some shots, you know, out in the alley. The walkers get distracted by a can rolling by, it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) And they slowly start to walk away. Eventually night passes and Glenn is still under there. He's hiding. 
And the next morning, he pulls himself out. Uh, now, at this time, all the walkers have dispersed, other than a few bodies lying around. And uh, Glenn grabs an empty water bottle from Nicholas, but there isn't very much. He takes his gun, which I guess is empty, has no bullets, because they, they emptied them when they were shooting the walkers mm-hmm. before they got up on the dumpster, right? Yep. So he's got an empty gun. And then suddenly, Enid, from a rooftop, throws down some water to him, uh, but he doesn't catch it and it spills out. <laughs> Yeah, she yells heads up. Yeah, she said, I said heads up. Like, <laughs> yeah. try to pay attention, man. So Glenn enters the window or enters the building through a window and uh, she yells down. She's upstairs, but she t- yells down to take some water and go. There's more water in there. Glenn notices some food cans and this appears to me to like, this must be sort of one of Enid's hideouts. Like this yeah, is, that's the assumption that I got is that she's been uh, she's been here before and or been here a while. Or or this is just where she comes when she's outside of Alexandria, right? She likes yeah. to come hang out here on her own and, uh, you know, have a snack once in a while. Right. And, you know, what kind of shop is this, that, do you think? It's, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird, eh? Well, is it somebody's house, maybe? Well, I don't, it, well, it could be. I mean, it, it was up second floor, so it's probably not a retail store, so this might be someone's house. It just, it struck me as awfully full of crap and uh, weird odds and ends. Uh, so I, I got the impression it was some kind of uh, antique slash thrift store uh, that was just selling various odds and ends. Yeah. But I guess it could be somebody's house. It could be. I don't know. Am I right in saying it was on the second floor? It, yeah. I, yeah. I think so. And then he goes up onto the third floor, or the third floor, or the roof even. So, uh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, there's all kinds of weird stuff in there. But, again, it could have been just uh, Enid, like, hoarding stuff in there, right? Maybe that's where she's storing some stuff. But Oh, it's her thrift store. That's what she wants to do, is open a thrift store after the apocalypse is over, and she's staking her claim. There you go. Um, But Glenn yells up. To her, what happened? He wants to know what happened in Alexandria. He said they heard a sound, they heard gunfire, and Enid's response is really just that people died, and uh, you know it was done by people. But she doesn't know about the walkers at the wall because she left before they got there. Right. Uh, Glenn asks if Maggie is okay, but Enid doesn't answer. So he goes upstairs out onto the roof, uh, but by this time she's fled down a fire escape and is running away out the alley. Um, Glenn decides to kick down a door and goes running to chase after her. Yeah, I just was uh, looking at uh, the episode, jumping around a little bit. So he does enter a window on the first floor, and this is definitely some kind of thrift store. There's just, you know, why else would you have shelves in the middle of a room uh, displaying baubles and odds and ends and things? So this uh, definitely looks like a thrift store on the first floor. So then he goes up to the second floor. Uh, Okay, so... um... First floor, then it's more, much more likely a retail environment. Yeah, yeah so that makes sense. Um, what doesn't make sense, but I'm not going to talk about it, is uh, why didn't him and Nicholas, if it was so easy to get in this window, jump in through this window instead of hiding on top of a dumpster or climbing on top of a dumpster? Now, A secret window and panic. Yeah, panic and they didn't see it or whatever. I mean, you can chalk it up to that, but I kind of wish they had just gone through the window. <laughs> we oh, could, well, then where's the drama and, and where's the, oh, I think Glenn is dead for the last, what, four weeks? Yes. Well, I mean, how could they have such a successful debacle if they'd just gone through the window, I think is what you're saying. Well, that's, you're kind of uh, 
supposing that this is a debacle. We haven't uh, really, you know, come down either way on that. Yet. All right. Well, we'll get into it later, but we go to the opening credits. And when we come back, Rick is inside Alexander. He's checking the walls. We see Morgan practicing his uh, maneuvers or whatever he called them. His forms? Right. And, uh, yeah, forms would be good. And Stephen Ewan's name was on the in the credits again. So he's back. He's back in the credits in case you hadn't noticed by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rick goes by Morgan and says that they have to talk, but they'll talk later. So, um, and then Rick finds the small hole with blood coming through it and he puts his fingers in it. And I just, can I ask you a question? Sure. You can ask me a question. Why in TV and movies, when there's like a little trickle of blood or there's blood somewhere, why do the characters always have to touch it and rub their fingers together? Is it not enough to just see the blood and be like, oh, look, there's blood. Well, it could be molasses, it could be ketchup, it could be, uh, you know, red-dyed corn syrup. So touching it, well, it probably is red-dyed corn syrup, but (laughs) touching it, touching it gives you like that blood sensation and that makes, that confirms it for you? Is that what you're saying? Well, this is how humans discern reality, right? We touch things and go, okay, that's real because we can touch it. Uh, Very similar to how uh, babies discern reality. They see something real by sticking it in their mouth. Right. Right. So at least we've moved beyond that where, you know, wonder what that strange substance on that wall is. You know, put a little bit on your finger and then stick your finger in your mouth. (laughs) We've moved beyond that as adults, which I'm glad of. And uh, Rick did not do. But it's obviously blood. What the hell else is it going to be? Yeah. What the hell else? I'm just saying. (laughs) <laughs> that's zombie soup coming through the wall. Yeah. But I'm just saying, Jason, you're walking down the street and you see some uh, mystery fluid on the ground. You going to put your fingers in it to see what it is? Uh, me? No. No. And I don't think anybody. Because uh, I have a, will. I have a, uh, you know, it's a confusing sense of uh, hygiene, but I generally don't put my fingers into mystery substances, especially, <laughs> especially if it looks like blood. Yeah, especially. Or actually, not even especially. If it if it looks like blood, vomit, vomit poop, or urine, it doesn't matter. Semen, I'm not touching it with my finger. If it looks <laughs> anything like any bodily fluid, I'm probably just going to stay away from it finger-wise. Motor, motor, <laughs> finger-wise, tongue, that's a different thing. <laughs> no, motor oil. I wouldn't even touch motor oil. Like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Anyways, in this, in TV I'd land... I'd be more likely to touch motor oil than I would be to touch blood. Yeah, probably. But in TV land, everyone always touches the blood. I think it's effective dramatically, or oh, it, yeah. the, the red really contrasts the color of the skin or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, Rick touches the blood, but he sees Maggie up on the wall and he goes to her and he climbs up and he says, you don't have to be here up here so much. But uh, her whole thing is that she wants to make sure she doesn't miss a signal coming from Glenn. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, she's watching for him. She figures that if he's out there, he's going to let them know. And they had flares, right? Because they were all shooting off flares at the makeshift wall. So I would assume Glenn would have a flare. Yeah, but as soon as Glenn rolled out from under the dumpster, he found a broken flare gun. Oh, okay. So he doesn't have a flare. Yeah, we. I didn't mention that, but he doesn't have any flares. But either way, she's looking for any sort of signal, like fire, smoke signal, you know. Right. Uh, something. A sign. Some sort of sign. Sign, yeah, like somebody, you know, you write a sign on a great big stick and put it way up in the air. Yeah, a big one, exactly. Yeah, good work. <laughs> um, so Rick, uh, Rick reassures her sort of by saying that going out there is never easy, but they've come back from much harder things, you know, all of them. And uh, he suggests they start figuring out how to draw the walkers away from the wall. So, um, you know, so he says that it'll be clear and they can just walk right in when they come back. 
That's a good idea. It is. And I liked the word, uh, the use of the word clear, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It stuck, it stood out for me because, you know, that's what these, that's what Morgan was doing. And that's what Abraham seems to want to do a little bit. So everyone's in clear mode. Um, and then Maggie says that Judith is starting to look like Lori, which is something that made her happy. So yeah. it's not all rain clouds and thunderstorms. It's a little bit of uh, rainbows and sunshine too, once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rick agrees with this. He agrees that, you know, he's happy about that. So we go back to Glenn and he comes to the alley where Michonne left David to die. (laughs) I don't know if there's, or at least Michonne didn't put David out of his misery when they were climbing that fence. And David is a zombie, unfortunately. So Glenn puts a knife through his head and then he finds the note that he wrote for his wife, Betsy and dropped right on the ground. Um, which was, uh, which I, I imagine is going to come back into play at some point, if for no other reason, Glenn brings it back. You know, the problem now is Betsy's dead and we already know that. So yeah. So who cares about this note? Really? Yeah. I don't know. But why would they show it so prominently and Glenn pick it up? So I think maybe it was, it was kind of a reminder for Glenn that, you know, he's got a wife too, and he needs to get back to her. Right. That's sort of what I took anyways. Um, we cut over to Alexandria again and father Gabe is putting up flyers for a prayer group and as he walks by rick walks the other way followed by carl and ron and rick just pulls him down dick like seriously <laughs> why <laughs> yeah i know i guess well he's pissed still he's mad about father gabe telling deanna that uh, these are bad people well yeah but he still doesn't, he doesn't have to be a dick about it like really yeah no you're right he doesn't but i guess that's what he's doing he doesn't want gabe to have any purpose in this community well why not just shoot him in the head then i mean if you if you really are mad at him and uh, you can pretty much i think rick could probably justify and get away with shooting anybody in the head if he really wanted to so why not just shoot him in the head like why uh, why mess everybody up he's trying to do something good that other people might get benefit out of so he's not just punishing father gabriel he's punishing everybody that wants to participate in a prayer circle yeah but rick's not a killer jason he doesn't kill <laughs> especially not for putting up flyers well, yeah, maybe that's, you know, you got to draw the line somewhere. I, I guess. guess so. But uh, anyway, it was, a, it was a dick thing to do. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, so we see Carl and Rick now training Ron with a gun. That's where they were on their way to. Rick shows him the parts of the gun, and he explains that he has to get the gun up to eye level. Don't just shoot it from, like, your chest or your waist, because you'll miss, and then you're dead. And Carl ch- chimes in with, you have to wait for your moment, because, you know, Carl's a big expert. Uh, so Ron practices holding the gun and aiming, but Rick says your finger doesn't touch the trigger until you're ready to shoot. So they do that like straight finger thing, not on the trigger. Damn right. Yeah. And, uh, then Rick decides to let Ron keep the gun with him to get used to walking around with it. That's fair. Okay. (laughs) Uh, and before the scene is over, Ron seems really keen to start shooting the gun. He wants to shoot some walkers. He wants to go shoot in the middle of town. He just seems really keen to actually get some bullets and fire off a few rounds that's normal i guess i guess no, it is it's normal that's the first thing you want to do when you go to have well, gun yeah, training? I, mean, I mean when you you know a lot of people are eager to you know try it out like this you have this uh this weapon that you dry fire a couple of times and uh you know that eagerness is not uncommon 
It's not abnormal. Yeah. Um, I, I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but I have a friend who is a police officer and he's only been a cop for five or six years. So before that, he was going through police training, of course. And on the first day, uh, you know, they kicked a couple of guys out because the first thing one guy asked was, when do we get our gun? Yep. And some other dude apparently showed up with a cardboard cutout shape of a gun. <laughs> Why would he do that? I, I don't know. I'm not don't sure. Ask. But those guys don't get to continue police training. Yeah, <laughs> so, no kidding. So uh, that's A little okay. too eager. A little too eager. And that's how I felt about Ron here. You know, he's like, great, I got a gun. Let's go shoot some stuff, you know. Take it, take it slow. Take it easy. You'll you'll get to that point. Is all I could think. Yeah. All right, but we cut over to Morgan, and he's gone to see Doctor Cloyd. Uh, now they talk for a few minutes, and Morgan seems rather agitated. I thought they just have sort of some small talk, um, but before they can really get to anything meaningful, Rick walks by and says that it's time for their little talk, as in him and Morgan. So we see them in a room in the next scene with Michonne and Carol. And Rick tells Morgan about the RV encounter with those people and asks if Morgan let any wolves go. And Morgan says yes. And I sure did. I sure did. And he basically explains that there's no guarantee that letting people live means they'll continue to do bad things. Is pretty much his point. Yeah. I mean, there's the other side of the coin is Dr. Phil's, uh, you know, response on this thing is that, uh, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but it's not, uh, it's not a guarantee. Right. And that's sort no. of what Morgan is saying. He also, he also says that, you know, when, when Rick found him back in wherever it was in clear, Rick didn't kill Morgan, even though Morgan would have killed Rick at that time. And mm -hmm. he's basically saying, look how I've changed. He says, you let me live. And then I was there to help Aaron and Daryl. And who knows what would have happened if you hadn't let me live. So um, I think that's a pretty good point. I mean, he's using his self, his, himself as an example here of, of pe the fact that people can change and that you never know what the outcome of something might be. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Um, I kind of could see both sides here. I mean, on the one hand, Morgan makes a point, but on the other hand, Rick got attacked and almost died. So, you know. So, yeah. So basically what you can take away from this is that uh, sometimes killing people is a good thing. Sometimes letting them live is a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes people change for the better. Sometimes people don't change, which is bad, but sometimes people change for the worst. Mm -hmm. So to minimize your downside risk, uh, you just got to shoot them in the head. Yeah, that, I mean, nobody's changing from that. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess. yeah, so, yeah, I, I think the, uh, out of all the possible outcomes, the uh, the least dangerous is to shoot him in the head. Well, and Morgan reminds everybody sitting in this room that everybody in that room has changed a great deal since the beginning of all this. Yeah. So with, uh, another constant might be that people are constantly changing <laughs> from one thing into another. Yeah. Uh, and he also just sort of says that he sometimes thinks about letting go of the all life is precious idea, but he doesn't want to. And fair enough. You know, I mean, all life is precious, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and this scene for me was uh, the antithesis of the of the scene last week where Abraham was talking to Sasha. I really felt like in this scene, this is how people speak. Like it felt completely natural. 
the dialogue was great. It was it felt like a real conversation between these people. Now, I know Morgan was very eloquent in explaining his point and so on, but that's just the way TV shows are, right? Yeah. But to me, this felt real, whereas last week when Abraham was talking, I'm like, the guy's a clown. Nobody would ever say those things. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and and we did have some people write in about, you know, obviously we've never been in the military because, you know, military guys do talk like that. And I don't have any insight into that, but it didn't ring true for me. So I don't know. You were in the I, military. Well, I was in the reserves in Canada, yeah. Northern Ontario, Canada. So I'm <laughs> not sure that that's uh, any kind of indicator of norms because uh, everything up there is abnormal. Right. So, but they didn't really talk like that. Yeah. In Northern Ontario. Yeah. Too busy talking about the weather probably. Well, yeah. And how to get a, <laughs> uh, how to get a deuce and a half out of two feet of mud if you need to. Or snow. Yeah. Or snow. I was in Winnipeg this weekend and it was snowy and yeah. I'm saying I'm glad I live in Southern Canada. <laughs> Not up there. Oh my yeah. God. Nothing against Winnipeg, but boy, was it cold. Uh, anyhow, um, I really like this scene. That's, that's all I have to say. It, it, it worked for me a lot better than last week's sort of dialogue did. Uh, we cut back and the camera pans up from the outside of the wall up the Alexandria Tower there that was hit by the truck when the horn was going off or mm -hmm. that caused the horn to go off. And it seems to be cracking and wood seems to be falling off of it. Yeah. Um, so that's happening. Uh, we go back to Rick and Michonne and they're out on a porch talking about how to get rid of the walkers. And, uh, she wants to, she suggests they get out, set up some flare points, fire some guns to draw the walkers away in different directions. Instead of trying to draw them all in one big parade, just get them to go off in different directions. And then you have smaller groups you can deal with. Yeah. Or, or at least just let them go. Let them go and they'll get lost in the forest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Rick at first suggests that, you know, his people should do it, meaning like, you know, him and Michonne and Maggie and everyone that they brought with them. Um, but Michonne suggests, you know what? It's time to involve everybody in Alexandria. Sure, they may not be, you know, the best at this, but we got to do it. We got to get everybody involved. And and Rick basically nods and agrees, I think. Yeah. You know, he's coming around to the idea. Um, so Deanna approaches with her plans that she was writing up, uh, last episode or the one before. And she says that these are her plans for expansion of the town. And she says that this is what Alexandria can be after all of this, because there will be an after this. <laughs> one way or the other. One way or the other. She's got some good plans. We see Rosita. She's giving machete lessons to a bunch of Alexandrians, including Eugene, uh, but he's kind of a wimp and he's freaked out by all the walker sounds. Yeah. You know what? I shouldn't call him a wimp. I mean, if there were a whole bunch of dead flesh eating monsters right outside your gate, I'm pretty sure I'd be shitting my pants too. He's, he's just a bit scared. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's a wimp or anything. He's just, uh, he's unable to function fully when he's afraid. Yes. So he's just standing there, not really doing anything, but she doesn't really show him any mercy. She is not friendly to Regine. Regine, Eugene, <laughs> and uh, she gives him this this sort of harsh speech about saying, you know, you dying, if you die, that's easy. The people dying around you is the hard part because you have to go on living. And she said, what you should be scared of is living. 
Yeah, or or not just living, but letting other people down. That's the scary part is, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't do everything you could and somebody else died. You have to live with that. Yeah, exactly. And that's harder. I mean, you dying, that's that's your way out, man. So you, you know, that's you shouldn't be scared of that. Uh, but Eugene can't really handle it and he walks off. Yeah. So that's it. Well, this kind of speech never works. If somebody's afraid and they're unable to function when they are afraid, yelling at them is not going to help. Like never, not no never, eh? I mean, you have to. You, you have can't to... shock them. You can't shock them out of it. You gotta, you gotta help them work through it. You gotta make them, or not even make them, but help them figure out a way to be able to function when you're afraid. Right. Because you're not going to get rid of the fear, and uh, if you don't, if you freeze up when you're under that mortal kind of fear, that's going to get you killed and other people killed. So you either get rid of them or help them figure out a way to get uh, to work with it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to help them work through it, not yeah. not uh, just throw it in their face. Yes. Kind of. All right. Uh, we cut back outside Alexandria. Enid is in a restaurant, it looks like. We see that she's scribbled JSS on one of the blank checks that's in there. Well, that's how she's paying for her meal. JSS, just survive somehow. Yeah, just, uh, you know, giving words of encouragement to the imaginary waitstaff. Good. I like it. Uh, she looks outside the front door and she sees some walkers, but suddenly she's grabbed by a bloody hand and it's Glenn. So oh my. He, he snuck up on her and uh, he's caught up to her and he's grabbed her. And Glenn says that he's taken her home, but she argues she doesn't want to go home. And he says that he's doing this for Maggie because Maggie wouldn't leave anybody behind, which I thought was kind of weird. Like, I get that Glenn wants to, you know bring her home but glenn is almost functioning on the assumption that she wants to go back to alexandria if she doesn't like why should he force her to you know he can go back and be like i saw enid out there if she does come back someone should talk with her (laughs) you know yeah i don't know why he really feels like he has to bring her back again just because he thinks that's what maggie would want it it is a little weird but I, I accepted it for what it was. Yeah, it I, it bothered me both times I, I watched through this episode. And I get it. Like, they have they have important conversations later on as they're on their way back. But just the whole idea that Glenn wouldn't immediately try to head back to, to Alexandria, like, regardless of what was going on out there, um, it, I thought it was a little silly. Like, he, you'd think he would have just up and ran straight back. So... I don't know. I guess he's he is a, a very moral guy, and he wants to help people. So maybe that's part of it. He just wants to bring her home. Uh, but Enid doesn't want to go, and Glenn tries to grab her, but she pulls a gun on him. <laughs> yeah, you know, like at this point, I'd be like, "All right, you're on your own. I'll see you later." Uh, except, no, he disarms her quite easily, and you know, he says, "Let's go," and tells her that the herd is headed back to Alexandria. So he's letting her know this now. So everyone there is in danger. And he then agrees to let her lead the way. I think that's what he said anyways. You know, he said, we'll go to the road. Then he says, no, you lead the way. So it's sort of like he's given her a job, right? Yep. So she'll stick with him. Yep. Trying to engage her sense of responsibility. Yep. Sometimes that works. Uh, We get another shot of wood falling off of the tower outside the wall. And inside, Rick is working on reinforcing the wall with wood, and Tobin comes up and starts helping him. Good yep. old, reliable Tobin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back outside, Enid kills a walker by the road, and they find some of the balloons they were using for the uh, zombie parade mission, which didn't go so well. Awesome. And she ties them to her bag. 
Yeah, because that's what you do with balloons. Well, that's what my kids would do with balloons, that's for sure. Exactly. So back inside, we're jumping around here, Rick and Tobin doing some more work, and Tobin says Rick scared the hell out of everybody when he first showed up. And Tobin says that things started moving too fast for the Alexandrians all of a sudden, um, but don't give up on us. And I kind of like this scene. Like, it's, you can see the Alexandrian side of things, right? If if they'd never really been threatened before, suddenly this group shows up with this hothead sheriff leader who's yelling, waving guns around. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 settle down, man. Like, we, we want to... We want to hear what you're saying, but this is not the way to say it. Everything's cool here, man. Just just relax. Yeah, just take it easy. I mean, don't go so fast. I mean, we get it, but you're just, you're freaking us out a little bit here. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I sort of liked how Tobin explained that to Rick here, because Rick has, you know, calmed down a little bit since then. Um, he also brought a few thousand zombies to the door, but what are you going to do? He's nobody's yeah, perfect. he's also not covered in blood right now. And that, you know, that generally freaks people out. It would freak me out if somebody was yelling at me and they were covered in blood, especially if it wasn't their own blood. Exactly. No, exactly. If I came across a dude on the street covered in blood and he was yelling at me, I would walk the other way. Yeah. Because that would if, be scary. If it was his own blood, you wouldn't though, right? You'd try and help him? I'd, I'd probably try and help him then. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Um, the part about this scene that I thought was dumb is these idiots are hammering, hammering nails right against the wall after Rick was like, everyone be, we got to be really quiet. And maybe the walkers will like, give uh, up and walk they're away. not going anywhere. It doesn't matter. They could have a, they could, you know, put out loudspeakers saying zombies go away and it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. You don't think that hammering isn't a great idea. Like even if it's a noise that makes the zombies crowd around one spot. Well, that's the spot you're trying to reinforce. I mean, you, you got to, it's... Uh, <laughs> so that'll be all right then. <laughs> it's, it's, you got to do what you got to do, right? I guess I probably so. use screws rather than, uh, rather than nails just because of the, uh, you know, screwdrivers are quieter than, uh, than hammer, or hammers. Yes. So, but, you know, who am I? Yeah. Well, we do see him using some screws too. Uh, so I don't know, but the hammering bothered me. I, I was, but yeah, he was screwing the screws into pre-drilled holes, which I thought was a little odd because I didn't see a drill nowhere. Yeah, I know. At first, I thought he's trying to screw those into metal. I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. But uh, well, you, yeah, it no, it won't work because no, it, it's especially it's like uh, you know a quarter inch of steel. You're well, not yeah. getting a screw through a quarter inch of steel with a screwdriver. I I, I don't think so. No. Yeah. There was, a, there was a lot of problems with the uh, construction element to this scene. It was working. The thing was going up, whatever. Well, you know, they maybe getting, they used some kind of epoxy. Who they, knows? The wood was sticking to that wall somehow, so yeah. they were doing something right. We go outside, and Enid and Glenn are talking, and she tells Glenn that she was orphaned by walkers. And, I, and this was interesting. Glenn says, me too, probably. Which, right. my God, I found so sad. I mean, it makes you realize that Glenn has no idea whatever happened to his parents, his family, yep. and it's been years now, and he's just like, yeah, I guess I was too, probably, but I'll never know. Yeah. I found that terribly upsetting, actually. <laughs> I, I didn't find it upsetting, but uh, it is sad. And and it was almost a it was almost a throwaway line. Like, they just sort of, he just sort of said it, and then they moved on, but, I mean... Yeah. I mean, poor Glenn, poor everybody, really. Um, but they talk about being scared and not wanting to lose anybody else. You know, things that characters have talked about a million times. Um, but Glenn says you should honor the dead by going on living even when you're scared. So yeah. harkens back to the Eugene scene, right? 
Yep. Uh, that's what you got to do. And that helium tank that she was filling the balloons with? There you go. Helium that tank. Was the, uh, that was the, those are the tanks that you get at the craft stores. The small round one, not the big tall skinny one? That's right. You buy them at the craft store for like 35, 40 bucks and you get like 30 or 40 balloons out of it. Well, see man, I'm telling you, Alexandria had a like craft slash party shop. Well, yeah. Clearly. Because we were wondering where the healing was coming from. Yeah. All right. We go back inside the town and oh boy, Ron sneaks into the armory and steals some bullets. Yeah. Very sneaky and crafty feller. He does. He causes a distraction by knocking some stuff off a shelf. And uh, when, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Um, I don't know. I, I forget. barely know anybody's name. I think it was who, I think Enid said she was living with Olivia. That's Olivia, isn't it? I think so. Anyways, he distracts her and then goes and steals the bullets. So bad Ron. He's up to no good. Back outside, Glenn and Enid get to Alexandria. They're outside the wall, of course, and they see all the walkers. And uh, we we notice that Enid had lot, has lots of balloons tied to her bag now, so she filled up all the rest of the balloons. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it makes the bag lighter, too, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. It helps you, helps that's you walk That's what around. I would do. I'd put as many balloons on there as I could to make the bag nice and light so I could carry it uh, a lot farther. That's a really good idea, to tell you the truth. There you go, man. I'm going to go buy a helium tank just in case there's a zombie apocalypse <laughs> yeah. so I can fill like 30, 40 balloons. Because, you know, the uh, zombies are not going to care about the balloons, right? No, no. They're not going to see a balloon and go, oh, balloon, and then go towards it. They're looking for meat. They're looking for people. They're looking for no- noise and sound. Uh, they're not looking for, uh, you know, party supplies. And if you get enough, you can just float up into the sky and be safe forever. Yeah, except for when you come down. Yeah, <laughs> except for you know, 20 minutes the, later when you come down, yeah. When the, when the balloons pop. That's, uh, yeah, that's how you die. You just don't want it to all pop at once. No, just, you know, a few at a time. Right. You'll just gently float to the ground. Um, anyways, Enid, she turns to walk away, but Glenn stops her. And here, I thought she had another great line in this episode. She says, the world is trying to die. We're supposed to just let it. Right. So she's given up, but Glenn says, no, he's not going to let Enid die because it's the kind of guy he is. And uh, he points out that the walls are still up and the buildings are still up, so they'll figure something out, right? Things yep. are things are not over yet. Um, we see Rick and Tobin. They come walking and uh, through the town, and they see Spencer doing something ridiculous. He, <laughs> <laughs> he is trying to like basically sort of zip line across the walkers from the wall out to the tower. He's trying to be a ninja. He threw a grappling hook. Yes. And he's trying to crawl along the wire to get over the crowd of zombies. This is the dumbest idea I think I've ever seen anyone have. Of course, his grappling hook doesn't really hold and he starts falling into the walkers. Uh, He does. He lands on the ground, but enough of the walkers get knocked down that he's not in, um, like he doesn't get bit right away. So he jumps back up and starts climbing up the wall of at this point of course rick is there trying to yank him up and tara who was over on another part of the wall on watch starts shooting from where she is to uh give him extra time and she's taking out walkers giving him enough time to climb back up so she keeps them back just enough spencer climbs up with rick and tobin's help there and you know he gets up safely sort of just as tara runs out of bullets And once he's back up on the wall, Rick yells over at Tara, 
and he's pissed because she kind of climbed outside on the outside of the wall to get a better shot. Um, and she just gives him the finger, like, who are you to get mad at me? I saved a guy. I saved him. Yeah, that's right. Um, Spencer says he was trying to help. His plan was to get out to a car and drive away, drawing the walkers away. So, you know, basically what they were trying to do before. Um, but he was ziplining across the, across the sea of walkers. Bad idea. Well, ziplining would have been a lot better, but. Well, okay. It's not ziplining, but what do you call that? I don't know. Rope crawling? Like hand over hand along a, a upside down on a wire kind of thing. Not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Rick is pissed. He he tells Spencer, when you have an idea, you come to me. <laughs> Don't just <laughs> do it. And Spencer says, uh, yeah, but would you have listened? And yeah, I, of course, that's a r- great point. Rick never would have listened. You know, it's a lot easier to get forgiven than it is to get permission. I guess so. And that's what he was going for here. But he almost died. So Morgan, he goes back to see Dr. Cloyd, and this time they get into the real conversation. He he wants to find out about treating a wound, but he admits that it's not his wound. Right. So he's gone to get some help from her with uh, Mr. Wolfie Pants, who is in the basement there tied up. Wolfie Pants. Yeah. Now, Carol witnesses Morgan and Denise leaving her office and, of course, gets suspicious because she's Carol. And she's watching Judith at this time, uh, so, you know, she can't sort of follow them with Judith in her arms, although she looks to see where they're going. She takes Judith back to Jesse, who's working on another weird sculpture on her porch, it looks like, mm-hmm. which is something we haven't seen since, the I don't know, the first episode, maybe. And uh, Jesse needs a minute and leaves Carol in her kitchen alone with the baby for a second. And at this point, Sam calls down to Carol and asks her about the people who came. Were they the monsters? Meaning the wolves, because he's afraid of monsters. And he asks Carol, if you kill people, do you turn into a monster? And I think Carol's answer to him is probably the worst possible thing (laughs) she could say to this boy, although it's sort of unintentional. She says the only thing that keeps you from becoming a monster is killing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sam is going to go on a killing rampage. Or at least... You think so? Well, actually, I don't. But, I mean, he he's already damaged. Like, he has been through a lot. And he is... Like, he won't even come downstairs. He's so afraid. And now she says, if you don't want to be a monster, you got to kill people. <laughs> Like, Carol's oh my God. evil. She's just a little bit on the evil side. But you know what? This was unintentionally evil. I Like, she doesn't know the state that Sam is in, right? She never saw him face to face. They didn't have a... Um, I mean, I know she's seen him before, and she talked to him on the porch, and I know she's been kind of mean to him, but I don't think she quite realizes at this point what state he's in. And by telling him something like this, kids take things literally, right? Yeah. Kids don't have the benefit of of advanced thought all the time and reason and logic. So when she says, if you don't want to be a monster, you got to kill people. That's not good. That's not going to end well. So I don't know who's Sam going to end up killing. I'm not sure. I don't know. Somebody though. Yeah. Somebody we will see. Anyways, Carol leaves Judith and goes to find Morgan. And she does, she comes in and she says, who do you have in that cell? And that's all we find out about that for now. Um, we see Carl walking 
down the street. And then Ron comes up, or Ron's following him. He doesn't come up behind him, but he's following him. And we see Ron take a gun out of his pants. Mm-hmm. And we know that Ron has bullets now, so yeah, this is not Yeah, he sneakily got a hold of some ammunition. Hopefully he got the right ammunition. Well, he's just... Somebody's learned- told him about ammunition. It's just not a matter of seeing what fits necessarily because there's different kinds of ammunition yeah, uh, and different things that look like they may fit, but might not. So maybe he has the wrong ammunition. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe, you know, that's part of the lesson we didn't see. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm a I little, don't think we got an ammunition lesson. No, I'm a little worried about, about what he's up to though. Uh, he clearly has it in for Carl, but maybe this is what they're setting up. The audience is like, oh, well, you know, Obviously, Ron is going to try to kill Carl, but we just found out that Sam, his little brother, has just been told that killing people is how you don't become a monster. Maybe they're going to turn the tables on us and Sam's going to kill Ron or Sam's going to kill Carl or Carl's going to kill both of them and then have a sombrero party. I don't know. Is Is that a thing? Can you have a sombrero party? Well, I think so. You invite everyone over to your house and say you have to wear a sombrero or pay $5. Because I own... (laughs) I own a sombrero. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> how come I'm not I'm, even sure where I got it, how come, but I own a sombrero. How come I've never seen you in a sombrero? I, I don't know. And You're nothing else. out, my friend. <laughs> well, that the answer to the last part is easy. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> That's the answer to that. <laughs> Nobody does. Right. Except maybe your wife. No, probably not. (laughs) Okay, anyways, so Ron is up to no good. He's taking the gun out of his pants. We get a quick shot of Michonne studying Deanna's plans. So Michonne seems to be on board with Deanna. Um, But the the tower, it's crumbling even more. And uh, Rick and Tobin are still working. Tara comes by. And uh, Rick apologizes about yelling at her and says that she didn't have to risk her life for Spencer, basically. And she says, you know what? I didn't even think about it. I mean, I just wanted to help. Yeah. And that's the kind of person Tara is. She's just a, a good person who wants to help people and do the right thing. Um, but Deanna comes up and thanks Rick for saving Spencer. And uh, he says that Spencer was stupid, which, of course, everyone agrees with because he was. Uh, but Deanna says, you know what? At least he tried. At least he did something. Was that a dig at Rick, do you think? Or was she just sort of saying, you know, he was just he was just doing stuff, like give him a break? No, Rick does stuff. She knows it. He does. But She's I... the one that doesn't do anything. So, no, I don't think it was a dig at Rick. Well, wait a minute. She stepped into a new role within the town as planner and, you know, f- planner for the future. But, yeah. like, I think people are starting to get a little tired or a little concerned that Rick brought all these walkers to the wall, but he's not doing anything to get rid of them. He's he was hammering a nail. He yeah. was putting up boards. He magically stuck boards to the steel. Well, that's pretty impressive. It's <laughs> pretty impressive. Uh but I think I don't know. I I don't know if it was really a dig at him, but I think that's the general sort of feeling amongst the people maybe that this is a problem we got to deal with and Rick's not doing anything and he caused it. So Yeah. Um but Rick says, you know, I could have jumped down when the walkers were distracted with Spencer and ran for a car, but then Spencer would be dead. So what do you want me to do? And uh, Deanna asks, why, why didn't you do that? And he said, because Spencer is your son. And Deanna says, wrong answer. And what does that mean to you? I'm not sure what she was getting at here. I was hoping you would explain it to me. 
<laughs> Great. Well, I, I'm not sure. It's like if we break this down, Rick says, look, I didn't I didn't do it because he's your son and he a little bit of Morgan's influence here is maybe he's like this life is precious even more, you know, than the uh, the idea of getting rid of all the zombies. Yeah, because, you know, it's a life. So. I don't know. Deanna doesn't seem to see it that way. Although I, she can't, you can't deny that she's happy that her son is still alive. So it, it was a bit of a weird scene. Yeah. Um, at this point, everybody starts looking up in the sky though. Maggie and Tobin and random Alexandrians. And they see a group, a big group of green balloons floating up in the sky. Yay. And of course, Maggie starts running and she says to Rick, it's Glenn. And Rick, of course, can't disagree with her. And uh, just down, or just then, the tower, which has been crumbling all episode long, falls into the wall, destroying part of it, breaking it open, and of course, panic ensues. So the wall is down, and now the zombies are going to get into Alexandria. Yeah, I wonder how that uh, how how the the church tower fell. Well, I just- think it, it had been compromised by the truck. The truck hit it. And yeah. it was slowly crumbling, and it just fell over. All right. Well, yes and no. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, just the the angle of uh, of how it was falling uh, to me looks like it was pushed over rather than falling. Because if you have a a square base, right? Yep. And one size side is compromised, so it starts to fall over. So say you have a square base and it starts to fall to the left. Right, the left side has has been compromised, so it would start to crumble down. The right side would stay stationary, and the thing would fall over. Right? Yes. This was falling, like say it was falling to the left. The left side was the fulcrum or the the part at, at which everything was tumbling over, and the right side was lifted up, and it was falling over. So it didn't look like it was a crumble fall to me. It looked like it was a push over fall. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, if a truck was coming from the outside and it hit that tower, it would have either hit, uh, you know, the outside of the tower, causing the tower to fall away from the wall, yep. or or possibly if it hit the side of the tower along the wall, not straight over into the wall. But, you know... I think it was just probably the practical effect and how they did it rather than a, an actual story point. Yeah, and I think that the truck, the way it kind of came in, it sort of came around maybe and did take out a little bit of the back side of it, a little bit more than the, the front side of it, which is the side facing away from the town. Um, so I don't think it's totally outside the realm of possibility that it would fall in like that. Maybe not directly in, but in enough to take out a section of the wall. And, you know, either way, that wall's down. And Yeah, well, yeah, the wall is down, that's they, for sure. They are in trouble. So... That's the episode, um, and uh, really, you know, lots of great stuff happened in this episode, and for the most part, I really, really liked it. Um, I I think what I liked about it is that it gets back to the kind of thing I've been complaining about in the last two episodes, in that we've gotten uh, we we we've gotten too much with too few of the characters, sort of. And this one, you know, we had Rick stuff, we had Glenn stuff, we had Maggie stuff, we had Ron and Carl stuff, we had Carol doing something, you know, all the characters were in this, little bits here and there, even Rosita and and Eugene had the scene with the training, and something about it, I've realized, something about that I prefer, when you get little bits of the 
storylines from different angles and different people rather than spending the whole episode with uh sasha and abraham and daryl right yeah yeah so for that reason i really like this episode but i only wrote down one word in my notes here <laughs> i know what that word is to talk about after you used this it episode before. no i didn't write that word down i wrote down oh. glenn the word glenn his name because we need to talk about glenn glenn is alive Glenn is alive. And his survival more or less happened in the way that people speculated. He managed to fall down with Nicholas on top of him and then pull himself beneath the dumpster and was safe under there. Yep, no problem. So we need to talk about it, though, Jason. We said that this could be the biggest moment for this show in that either um, it's absolutely ridiculous and... We hate it, or they really surprise us with something amazing, and the scene totally works. So I want you to not necessarily pick a side, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Was it satisfying? Was it not satisfying? You know, did it ruin the show for you? Okay, so I'm going to answer the third question first, and then I'm going to answer the second question last. Uh, Actually, I don't remember what questions. I just know there's multiple questions in there, but uh, basically was exactly what I thought it would be and it was very disappointing because yeah. nothing nothing spectacular happened we like we've been buying into this for a few weeks now and uh it did not pay off like it was uh very humdrum in its uh its outcome I'm I apologize if that rhymed uh so you know, Nicholas fell on top of him. That was the guts we saw coming out of Glenn's chest. He crawled under the dumpster. He hid out there for a while. You know, the zombies didn't get him, and then they forgot about him, and mm-hmm. then they walked away for some reason. And then he was able to get out, and, uh, you know, at when he got out, oh my gosh, he was thirsty. So somebody threw him a bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. And then everything was all right. Yeah. So it, Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I think that uh, the fact that they let us wait for what is it? Four weeks. Uh, well, there were three episodes in between. Yeah, so I guess four weeks. This is the week fact four. That they made us wait, and that they took his name out of the credits, and uh, they implied that he died, and they but they wouldn't say he's dead because they know that they legally couldn't get away with saying that he's dead. I don't know whether legally is the right word. But basically, they skirted the issue, and uh, I, I I feel a little uh, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I don't like what they did to me. You're a little bit manipulated, manipulated, right? Yep. But I don't even think that by itself is a bad thing. I mean, they're trying to tell a story, and they're going to tell you, they're going to give you the information that they want to try to tell the most effective story. But I used the word debacle earlier, and I don't mean that in um, in a way that the way I don't mean that the way this played out, I I really hate when when I saw it on screen, you know, after watching it, my first thought was, well, that isn't too bad. It's exactly what we expected to happen, and it's what everyone speculated. And I thought that's not the worst thing in the world because when I saw um Nicholas on top of him, the way he lay, was lying across him, sort of, and the zombies were just getting at him. And then the way Glenn was able to shimmy himself underneath, I'm like, yeah, okay. The problem is, it wasn't good either. It wasn't anything amazing. It wasn't spectacular. There was nothing surprising about it. And there were too many things about the scene that uh, 
that still didn't really make sense. Like Glenn's basically chest, shoulders, and head are perfectly exposed. Yeah. None of the zombies are touching him. Presum- and his legs and his yeah. uh, vitals, call it. <laughs> his uh, groinal area. <laughs> you know, that's exposed too. Now you could say that like there's just too many zombies on top of his lower half and they're not really going after it because they're all reaching for the meaty part of Nicholas. But um, too much of Glenn was exposed for me to believe that he wouldn't have been attacked as well. Or, you know, just a little nibble. Somebody, somebody would have nibbled on him. Right? Something. Exactly. Exactly. Something would have had to happen. I mean, it's incredibly, unbelievably lucky that he was not, you know, bitten, injured or whatever in that scene. So, um, you know, as so I hated that about it. I really, really didn't like that about it. On the other hand, though, I was happy to see Glenn alive. I like the character. I don't want him to be killed off. So a little part of me was like, oh, good. Glenn's alive. Can I can I just put this behind me and move forward with, yay, Glenn is back. And maybe I don't ever, never have to think about this again. I'm just not sure I will be able to do that at least for a while. Oh, sure you can. It was so lackluster that it's just like, oh, Glenn was in jeopardy for a little while. And, you know, six weeks from now. Uh, you're going to forget about it because nothing happened. Well, it was it was a few weeks of not knowing what's happening and then and the producers and everybody going, ooh, we're going to mess with their heads. But then that's over now. Sadly, that's probably true. I'll probably move on and be like, that turned out to be nothing, much ado about nothing. And yeah. here we are, you know, and Glenn is with us and we've moved on to other stuff. A year from now, we're going to look back at this and go, man, that was weird. No, we're going to look back at this and say this was the season six debacle because I'm sorry, almost all the seasons have had something like this, whether it's Lori's body being completely consumed by by a zombie or a truck falling off a bridge face like nose first and landing (laughs) on its wheels. Yeah, the magic truck Um, to a lesser extent, you know, Herschel's magic shotgun with unlimited ammo. Those things we we complained about a lot, but we got over. And I guess the same thing will happen here, but it's, this is more dumb than any of those things, in my opinion. No way, that truck was way dumber. <laughs> well, I guess based on the laws of physics, yes, but uh, yeah. I this don't know. This was just uh, producer manipulation. That was, uh, that was blatant, I just, it makes me so mad. Right, so you're, you're getting to my next point here, that this was showrunner, producer, director, whatever, manipulation of the audience. And this is why it's a bigger debacle than anything else, because of the way AMC handled this whole thing. Um, one of our listeners at some point said back, you know, four weeks ago when this happened, that if they had just kept up the charade, if they had gone into radio silence and just gone with Glenn is dead, you know what? Glenn died in that scene. That's what, you know, the internet could have gone on and speculated all they want, but at least AMC should have kept up the pretense that, you know what, we killed this character, that's it, we don't need to come out and make statements, like bullshit statements, we don't need to have our, like, talk show after the fact, you know, be all mysterious about it. If they had gone with Glenn is dead and we're sticking to that story, this would have been, I think this would have been a little different. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah. Well, they, I don't know if they could get away with doing that because uh, but that's their job. That's what they have to do. They've got to, they've got to tell a there's story. There's behind, behind the scenes stuff that has to happen, right? If Glenn's character had died, if uh, sorry, if Glenn had died, Stephen Ewan would be on a on the talk show circuit talking about his character and how it had died. They should have done that. They should have had him on. And this is the problem because AMC has they've 
they've made their own bed with the way they present this show. And now they just shit all over it because, you know, AMC has this talk show that happens after and they are the ones who who uh, have set the precedent that when a character dies, usually they come on Talking Dead. Why didn't they have Stephen Yoon on and, and just go with it? Like, these are smart people. They could have told him, look, you're dead. You're not dead, but as of right now, you're dead. So you got to go on and talk and be and act as if you're done with this show. And I'm I, what the problem is, they've created this this uh, system of doing things. And it, it stems right from, you know, the way they they write this show and that fact that they're not afraid to kill off major characters because they killed Laurie and Shane and T-Dog and <laughs> all kinds of other major Dale. characters. Dale, Andrea, the governor, you know, they've killed them and they've all been dead for real. And they've set a precedent that we kill major characters. Nobody is safe. And it's happened again. And that's how they should have approached it with Glenn. And they didn't, and that's what screwed it all up for for everybody, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too fired up about it, but well, you are fired up, and and rightly so. But the only uh, you know, play devil's advocate, if they had done all that, if they had brought him on Talking Dead, if they had put him on the talk show circuit, uh, if he had talked about you know being dead in the show, if they had their uh, what uh, their dead guy dinner? What when somebody dies, they everybody the whole cast gets together for a dinner. You're right. They, they should have done they that had too. The, the dead guy dinner, the everything they would have done, all that stuff. Uh, and then he came back on the show. Would that have been more or less manipulative? Well, you make a good point. I think maybe at the end of the day, it would have felt. Maybe it would have felt more manipulative. Manipulative, but. I think while they were doing it, I think during the whole thing, it would have been better and it would have made the outcome and watching last night's episode that much more uh, enjoyable for most people. I think that maybe, can you imagine if, if, if we'd all along thought Glenn was dead and we'd moved on and we'd grieved and, and, you know, moved on and now we were watching the show with the basically with the knowledge that Glenn is no longer on the show and how that feels. Um, imagine how it would have felt watching the episode last night. Now, I don't know if that would have been the case. Maybe there still would have been too much speculation that Glenn was alive and it would have tainted us. But I'm just saying like they, I, th I think it could have been handled better. And I think we would have yeah. gotten, and I don't just mean we, I mean, you know, the audience in general would have, would have just been treated better if they'd, gone with it and they stuck to their guns more. I think what it boils down to is uh, this gamble they took did not pay off. This, uh, it was not worth it. It no. was not worth it for them. It was not worth it for us. It was not worth it for me. So they shouldn't have done this. No. They, if, I don't even know what they should have done, but they shouldn't have like this, this didn't work. No. And it's, it's going to create a dog who, a boy who cried wolf scenario um, or a dog who cried wolf scenario. I don't know. Do dogs cry wolf? Maybe. Wolf? Wolf? <laughs> they, wolf? They, sort they do of, all the time, they, I guess. Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> because now, now, every anytime a character's dead and there's any shred of ambiguity about it, the internet's going to go crazy and people are going to be like, ah, well, he's not dead. Look what they did with Glenn, you know? Right. So they can't do this again. From now on, when someone's dead, they better freaking well be dead. Yeah. Um, and then one more point here is that... Uh, 
what does this say about the audience in general? And I don't know if it says anything, but you know, we've gotten to a point where um, the viewers of the show aren't like they're so invested in some of these characters. They can't deal with the fact. It seems like that some of them might be killed off. Is is that something or am I just reading too much into it? Well, I'm not entirely sure I know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, like no one, no one even for an instant, uh, seemed to believe that, that Glenn was, was actually dead. And, yeah. and I know that all the stuff that AMC was doing happened right after the episode. So we weren't even given a chance to believe it, but, um, I don't know. It's, I just feel something like people are a little bit too, uh, too, in, not too invested, but like they, we feel like there are some characters now on the show that really actually are safe and will not be killed off. And I think people feel like Glenn is one of those people. And the other ones on the list are probably Daryl, Rick, Carl, you know, and maybe even Carol and Maggie. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're, they're saying to us, we can't kill off these list of five characters. They're just, they're too big. They're too ingrained in the show. And this whole gambit with, with, uh, with Glenn is not over. This was just a, this is just a setup for, to, for us to believe that they, from a production point of view, cannot kill off Glenn. And now Glenn's going to die. Well, I, I suspected that too, that, you know, this is, this is, they're going to yeah. turn the tables on us. Um, but I don't know, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they're not, maybe, maybe Daryl's going to die, you know, who knows? The manipulation's not over, my friend. Oh, I don't think it ever will be. So bottom line, I was, I'm happy that Glenn is alive and I, I can't help but feel good that, you know, he's still with us because I enjoy watching him and I, I think he's a great character on this show, but I just wish this whole thing had played out differently. And if they're yeah. going to kill somebody, have the balls to do it and not just screw around with us um, because it feels like all of this was for nothing really. Yeah. <laughs> and a big sigh from Jason. <laughs> um, but if you take that, all that and put a pin in it, Jason, what did you think about the rest of this episode real quick? Did, did you enjoy it? I thought it was good. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was entertaining. It was a good, uh, it was a good solid episode other than the, uh, the Glenn bullshit at the beginning. Right. Okay. Better than the last two episodes for sure. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, everyone, let us know what you think. Uh, let, let me know if I'm being too dramatic about this whole thing, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, send us your emails and your calls and stuff like that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And of course we'll be doing our feedback show on Wednesday, so we'll get into it more than I'm sure. Uh, but before that, we still have to take a quick break um, and uh, come back for some Holy Crap Did You See That? So stay with us. Baby, in the corner of your mind, you see it all unwind. Cause you know how it ends. Baby, out the corner of my eye, I see you start to cry. You don't have to pretend, no. Bye. 
when our spirit is wide I'll even let you open up the seams And place all of our dreams Where the pendulum swings The Talking Dead podcast is brought to you by you, the fine listeners of this uh, here podcast. Um, if you want to help out, the best way to do that at this time of year is by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the Amazon store of your choice. We know you're going to be doing lots of shopping coming up to Black Friday and Cyber Monday and then leading right on into the holidays. So if you are spending money, please visit our Amazon link before you do all your shopping at Amazon. For the U.S. store, just hit amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and you'll be directed straight there. Every purchase you make, a tiny little cut comes back to us instead of going to Amazon, and every little bit helps a great deal in uh, covering the cost of putting on this podcast. So if you would please go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, we would really, really appreciate it. Thanks for, to everybody for your support. Holy crap. Did you see that? I did indeed see that, bumper announcer man. Um, I saw lots of things, and so did everybody else. So we'll start off, holy crap, did you see that, with Noop J in Dallas. And he says, holy crap, did you see walkers who live by the not-in-the-face idea when eating living people? (laughs) (laughs) What I don't understand is why the walkers didn't go after Glenn's face. He was clearly screaming and squirming. Also... He wasn't the least bit injured falling on concrete on his back with a 150 plus pound dead body on top of him. The only issue he seemed to have is a parched throat. I guess Glenn is superhuman. (laughs) And that was quenched pretty quickly. He's like, oh my God, I'm thirsty. I wish I had a bottle of water. And one was thrown to him. Well, he had a tiny bit of water under the dumpster and then Enid threw one and most of it spilled out. So yeah, I guess he didn't need much in the zombie apocalypse. You just need enough to survive. Yeah, we've seen zombies eat people's faces before. Yes, of course we have. Faces, necks, everything. But just not Glenn's face, I guess. No. Nope. Yeah, no, it, yeah, the whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. It was, you know, his vitals, his <sighs> legs, his feet, his face, his arms, his upper chest, all perfectly available for devouring, and he didn't even get a nibble. You You can't even say that he was covered in too much blood to protect himself from the zombies, right? Maybe they're like, oh, that must be a dead body already. We're not going to eat that. What, that screaming thing? Or yeah, what, that, that's probably that's probably yeah. a zombie. That's probably a Most zombie. Most likely. We don't eat that. We're going to eat this guy who's on top of him. So, 
I don't think you can even go there though. It doesn't. It doesn't work. No, it's just yeah. This Glenn thing completely didn't make sense and does not work. All right. All right. We have Steve on the internet. Holy crap! Did you see? We have a new phrase: jump the shark, nuke the fridge. Glenn the dumpster, or does dumpster the Glenn sound better? <laughs> this show totally dumpstered the Glenn. <laughs> it did. <laughs> or Glenn the dumpster. No, I, no, dump- I think the uh, I think the dumpster got Glenned. Okay. No, or did or did Glenn get dumpstered? Uh, it's tough. I think maybe both work, but I think dumpstered the Glenn rolls off the tongue slightly better. Slightly. Yeah, not not perfect. So. Uh, hopefully we don't ever have to use this phrase again for this show. Oh man, if they put Glenn under another dumpster, I'm going to be pissed. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I said that I would rage quit the show if X happened? Uh, was it? Do you remember what that was? Uh Because I'm a little worried now. (laughs) (laughs) Was it, yeah, was it? Glenn, boy, we better check that. Somebody write in and tell me what I said, because I, I don't remember from one week to the next. So I'm a little worried that if uh, that I that I said if he just hit under the dumpster and crawls out without the scratch on him, that I'm going to rage quit the show. Because I don't want to rage quit the show, and I'd feel really bad uh, feeling like I'd be forced to. So write us in and let, let me know. Okay, good. I, I hope it wasn't just that, or, or that you've changed your mind. I think, it, I think it had to be something a little more ridiculous than just this. Okay. Well, we'll find out. Sally yeah. on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that coming? Yeah, we all did, except for the really dumb people. Really, how cheap and disrespectful to the audience was that fake-out death? And poorly written, since most people guessed exactly how it would play out. Yeah. And we did. So, yeah, you know, um, I, and, and I think maybe we would have had they gone into, you know, complete silence and played along a little bit better, but still... It, uh, it, 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 at least AMC wouldn't have been a part of the whole debacle then, right? Or at least a silent part of it. That would yeah. have been better. All right. All right. Next we have, uh, same James in Ireland. My holy crap moment this week is why, oh, why do the zombies leave so much meat behind on the people they kill? When Glenn gets out from under the dumpster, he has a moment to look at dead Nicholas. Apart from the usual guts been pulled out uh, from him, there's so much more meat to be had that's being left behind. Uh, there's, um, there's his meaty legs, his lean arms, and even two juicy eyeballs that were up for grabs. Yep. Well, they, they leave a lot behind. I, the zombies seem to be doing a lot of that lately. They didn't eat all that much of David either, who was against the fence, you know? Uh, yeah. he was, I mean, his, uh, he was kind of stuck to the fence, but a lot of him was still there. So again, they eat Lori's entire body, bones and all, but they leave these <laughs> that guys. That was one zombie. That was one that was zombie. One, one gluttonous zombie, maybe, uh, uh, herds of zombies or, uh, crowds of zombies, uh, behave slightly differently. They're like, yeah, we've all had a, had a bite of that guy, so we can, we can move on. I know people are going to get angry with me for constantly bringing up ancient history on the show. But sometimes I can't help it. I I apologize, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Next, we've got a call here from Sam in Decatur, Georgia. Hey there, Jason and Chris. This is Sam from Decatur, Georgia. With a bit of holy crap, did you see what a fucking hack Ridge was as an architect? I mean, my God, man. That thing might as well have been a chain link fence the way that it toppled. And he didn't see that structure, that church tower or whatever it was, as, you know, something that could compromise the fence in any way. I mean, how did these people live that long? 
it really boggles <laughs> the mind. All right. Thanks, guys. Great podcast. Thank you, Sam. Um, the thing about that is, is I don't 100% agree with Sam because why would just the existence of a tower, like a church tower right there, why would you consider that to be a danger to your wall? I mean, you're not really expecting it to fall down. And even if something runs into it like a truck, you probably aren't assuming that it's going to fall so perfectly into your wall. So yeah. I, I'm not sure just the fact that it's there would make me think, oh, I better reinforce the wall here. But I do think well, that that wall seemed to fall down pretty easily when the tower hit it. It did. And that uh, I have two thoughts about that, uh, that tower. I, I think Sam is right in that uh, when you build a wall to keep somebody out, basic defensive design uh, says that, and if you look at any fort ever built or any castle ever built in the last 1,500 years. It's a long time. There's always outside of the wall, there's a killing field. There is, they clear everything out within a couple of hundred meters so that you can see and deal with anything that comes within uh, basically bow shot of your wall. So you either build the wall so that it's outside of the town and you can clear cut the bush or whatever so you can see what's coming, or you tear down anything that's outside of the wall so that it's uh, you have yourself a good killing field. Because if you have stuff all over the place, people trying to sneak in over the wall, it's not just the zombies coming in. Uh, it's people, you know, climbing that tower and going, oh, that's only a four-foot jump between here and that wall. I can easily, you know, cut a hole, put a board down, and I'm inside the, inside the place. Mm -hmm. So you either uh, take that church and incorporated in the wall, which I don't understand why they didn't incorporate buildings into the wall. Like why build a wall, go through the problem of creating a wall that's four foot from four feet from a building. Why not just make the building part of the wall mm -hmm. and then just board up the windows? Well, I'm, I think that Reg is, well, I know Reg was uh, some sort of architect, not military strategist so he probably wasn't thinking like that but you're somebody's right. got a head to had to have looked at a at a keep or a castle and that was built <laughs> in the last two thousand years and gone you know what they seem to know what they're doing they build them on hills they build them next to bodies of water there's you know a moat mm -hmm. uh what what's a <laughs> moat it's to stop people from getting into your friggin walled off city <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's all kinds of things they could have done the last thing is to leave a big church steeple right there that is going to fall down. I would have incorporated the buildings as part of the wall. I think that makes a lot of sense because buildings can be reinforced. Yes. And so on. So anyways, thank you, Sam, right. for that. You're up next, right? So yeah, we have Corey in Maryland. My holy crap for this episode was definitely Rick repairing the fence with some big ass slabs of wood. He was beating the hell out of the wood with a hammer, making a ton of noise. See? Whatever happened to being quiet and not drawing attention from the zombie herd behind the fence? I also won't mention anything about Rick putting some lag screws through the wood into steel. Really? That easy? Yeah. So I think we picked up on the same things there, Corey. Um, I think the best part about 
your uh, email. Okay, this isn't the best part, but the funniest part for me is that Jason inserted the word ass. <laughs> Corey didn't. Where? He did. You did not write. He didn't write big ass slabs. You just read it. Read it as big ass slabs. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. It's okay though. <laughs> they were big ass. <laughs> oh well, there you go. <laughs> I read it. I just read it again, and I saw my my brain saw ass. Big ass slabs of wood. You got ass on the brain. Sorry, Corey. I'm glad you corrected me, but uh, <laughs> it's still funny. Yeah. All right, Chris, a Torontonian living in Philadelphia, writes, "Holy crap! Why would you throw a water bottle to someone off a roof without a cap on it?" Especially in a post-apocalyptic world where water is basically a precious commodity. I wouldn't even do that in the current world. <laughs> yeah. I'd throw a water balloon at somebody off a roof. Well, that's different. That, that's different. That's not trying to offer them a drink of water. Here's a drink. Look out. You're, <laughs> open your mouth. No, you're, you're trying to get them wet. I get that. But uh, no, kind of silly. It is kind of silly. Next we have Paul in England. Holy crap, did you not see the hundreds of walkers that trapped both Glenn and Michonne's group in that town a few episodes ago? Where the hell did they all go? I can't believe the walkers would spread out uh, a little while, or sorry, spread out a little over time. Uh, but I can it is believe, sorry, I can believe that they would I spread out. I can believe, thank you, Chris. Yes. I'm having trouble today, apparently. Inserting and deleting words at, at random. <laughs> I can believe that the walkers would spread out a little over time, but it's uh, but is it believable that they would completely leave the town overnight if they can't see a living human? And if so, why haven't the zombies around Alexandria left if its occupants are being careful and quiet? It makes literally no sense whatsoever. Well, the problem is they're not being careful and quiet. They're doing, you know, performing outdoor training sessions with... Uh with uh, machetes and they are banging hammers right against the wall. So I just don't think they're taking Rick's advice seriously, especially himself. It's a mess. It is a whole mess. Uh, Next up is Frank on the internet. Holy crap. Did you see how pregnant Tara looks? She's pretty pregnant. (laughs) Pretty pregnant. But in case you didn't know, Frank, she actually uh, was pregnant in real life. um, And they did a terrible job of hiding it on the show, but she has now had her baby. And I don't think there's been any information about name or what she had. So all we know is that Alana Masterson had a baby and she won't be pregnant next season, probably. Awesome. All right. All right. Next we have uh, Troya on Facebook. Holy crap. Did you see that? The best part of the entire episode was Tara flipping Rick the bird. It was a good part because I like that about her character. She's like, you know what? Screw you, man. I did what I had to do. Here's what I think of your yelling. So I think bird of your yelling. Bird is the word. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that? It looks like Ron is about to kill Coral. Coral! (laughs) What a little shithead. As if things aren't bad enough, why not guarantee yourself a death sentence from the guy who's fucking your mom by killing his kid? (laughs) Yeah. It's not a smart idea, but I... I don't know if, I mean, has Rick and, have Rick and Jesse sealed the deal yet? Or, or is, are they just, are they just getting to know each other? Uh, I don't think they've sealed the, sealed the deal quite yet. <laughs> okay. But you're right. I mean, clearly there's something going on there, so. Yeah, you don't just, you know, walk up to, to Coral and shoot him in the back of the head. You got to make it look like an accident. Yes. Or, yes, you, you know, do. if you're going to, if you're going to take him out, do it while he's on top of the wall so you can just push him over and he'll get eaten by zombies, 
And uh, we all know that uh, Laurie's flesh and blood will get completely eaten by zombies. Maybe the zombies <laughs> find uh, that particular family very tasty. Maybe. And they, they, they completely demolish the body and he'd never be seen again. That's right. So that's what you do is you get rid of the body mm-hmm. so that uh, Rick can't find it. And then uh, Rick's looking for his son for a little while and then gives up. You know what? Because what are you going to do? Yeah, he's gone. But I think making it look like an accident... Or it actually being an accident would be interesting. There's lots of opportunities for, you know, accidents to happen in the zombie apocalypse. There sure are. He fell down a hole. (laughs) (laughs) He walked outside, you know, just push him off the fence. He got stuck in a a grate and was eaten by a zombie. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of opportunity there. Trip broke his ankle, yeah. He broke his ankle. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. And he looked like he was going to die, so I shot him in the head to make sure he wouldn't come back as a zombie, because we all know everybody comes back. There's all kinds of ways to kill somebody, is what you're saying. Yeah. So next we have uh, Rena in Chicaparta, Nevada. That looks right to me. Sure. Holy crap, did you not see that? Uh, Where was Chekhov's RPG that Jason promised us in this episode? I'm beginning to think he's not, in fact, one of the writers (laughs) of the show. All kidding aside, I love you Canadian bastards. Well, thank you, Rena. And how dare you accuse Jason of not being a writer on the show? Well, we'll see Chekhov's RPG. It just happens to not be in this particular episode. It might be. Next episode, we've got them coming back. Yep. Uh, to the uh, the wall being breached. Yep. And they have to get the zombies away from there by some, I don't know, loud noise and bright flash, explodey type thing. Well, that could work. They've got an RPG that that fits all that criteria. And- and a fuel truck, remember. Oh, the fuel truck, that's We right. talked about this last week, was that that's what we thought maybe they were going to get Glenn out from under the dumpster, you know, not knowing that the zombies would just, you know, wander away out of sheer boredom. Yeah, well, you know what? We, we, we forgot to go back and talk about the fact that I guess it's not Glenn's voice on that walkie saying help. It's definitely not Glenn's voice. So I mean, Norman Reedus did not lie to us. He's the only stand-up... Uh, non-bastard on this whole show. <laughs> the, the only non-bastard, including us, because we are yeah. Canadian bastards. Um, uh, but if it, I, I think it still could be Glenn. I mean, what if Glenn, Glenn obviously witnesses the, uh, the wall being crashed, and the first thing he does is get on his walkie and say, help. Are you saying Norman Reedus is still a bastard? He could be. I'm just you saying. You think he's still he's still lying to us, even though he didn't have to. I'm just saying it's not confirmed that he's not a bastard, right? Right. Okay. All right. Um, there is a general theory out there that it's actually Eugene on the radio that says "help," and everyone who went back and listened to it is like, "Oh yeah, it's obviously Eugene." You can hear his accent and his sort of funny voice. Um, but I don't know. I I didn't go listen to it again. But you know what? Eugene makes sense. He probably left that machete training, went inside to hide where he couldn't hear the zombies, and then the wall crashes down. So he's the only person who's in a position to grab a radio because he's not fighting zombies and ask for help. Right. So probably Eugene. Um, and uh, we'll find out next week. Uh, next up is Matt in Delaware who says, holy crap, did you see Dick Grimes pull down Father <laughs> Gabe's prayer signs? That was absolutely fantastic. I guess he's still mad. I guess he's still mad. <laughs> Rick the Dick Grimes. <laughs> Rick the Dick. Yep. Yeah. 
funny. All right, next we have Adam in Austin, Texas. Holy crap, did you see Rick totally foreshadowing the church falling down? He rips down Father Gabe's posters announcing a prayer circle, a.k.a. a church meeting. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know about that. I like that that idea. You know, Father Gabe is just trying to do something nice that he thinks will help people. And it happens to be a church meeting. And uh, then the church is what dooms them all. Sort of. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. It's more the truck hitting the church and then it falling into the wall. The church didn't do it by itself. Well, the church is not mad at this group of people. No, no. Not, not, not particularly mad at this particular group of people. No, it was just shedding wood and debris and parts and then decided to fall over. Yeah. Uh, okay, next. Oh, boy. Anna in... L- L- what is that? L- Lanny Minek? <laughs> That is, oh, it's Wales. Who knows? It's, it's probably pronounced Baha Hibble or something. <laughs> Lanny Minek, Wales. I'm going to go with that. It's probably way off. Sorry, Anna. Anna says, also, uh, sorry, holy crap, do I not care about Enid? If she's not a wolf spy, then she's not important. Just leave her and go home, Glenn. Have you learned nothing from trying to help Nicholas? See? And well, this is what I mean. One, Glenn tried to help Nicholas, and look where that got him. And two... I can't see Glenn wanting to do anything after he gets out from under that dumpster Then immediately get back to Alexandria. Leave Enid behind. She's clearly fine on her own. Maybe it's the complete opposite. Maybe it's his failure with Nicholas that he's trying to redeem. No. Uh, he's trying to save her because he couldn't save Nicholas. So at least he can save this person who is not an active asshole. That she's just kind of a passive asshole. So <laughs> and she's young. maybe he can save her. She's a teenager, so she's confused, and he's trying yeah. to impart his wisdom on her, right? Yeah, so maybe he's trying to make up for, for the failure. Yeah, all right, cave. maybe. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, just go back and save yourself for once. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, can't, uh, you can't put logic and reason into everybody's brain and accept, uh, expect them to behave that way. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult to do that. Trying to do it with my kids already, and it's not working out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Thanks. All right, next we have a call from Ian in Massachusetts. Hey, guys. This is Ian from Massachusetts, and my holy crap is, did you see that scene with Rick and Carl teaching the other kid how to shoot a gun? There was so much foreshadowing there. It was five shadowing. That one was for you, Jason. Love the podcast, guys. Thanks. Uh, that, that, that was awesome. one's for you, Jason. A little five shadowing. Well, because that's how you do it, right? You count the one shadowing just for a little bit of a hint, and then when you get all the way up to four shadowing, that's uh, that's you know something's going to happen. Uh, but when you get the five shadowing, that's like uh, that's like you know coming out and telling somebody that it's going to happen. Like I'm going to kill you first. Like what they the, the spies say, say in the uh, in the movies. Uh-huh. They say, what are, you, what are you planning on doing? Well, I'm going to take that stick and I'm going to hit you with it, and I'm going to use you as a shield. So when he shoots me, and then I'm going to take your gun and shoot him, and then that happens, right? That's five shadowing. Got it. <laughs> Makes sense. So <laughs> um, basically, Ron is going to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Probably Rick. He's got uh, a gun. He's Carl. got bullets. It's Chekhov's gun. We got Chekhov's everything in this show. <laughs> yes, we do. Chekhov's absolutely freaking. We got Chekhov's church. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> show a church in the in, in Act One. It's got to fall down in Act Three. <laughs> there you go. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, okay, next, Dan in Durant, Iowa. Holy crap, did you see Ron aiming that pistol with his right eye closed? Carl is right. There's not even a walker in front of him, and he's already screwing it up. 
I think Carl is going to be just fine with this douche trying to kill him. <laughs> you think he's going to walk up right behind him and, <laughs> and forget miss. to uh, turn the safety off? Yeah, maybe. Or he's just going to miss, shoot it over his shoulder <laughs> past his ear, and Carl will be like, what the hell was that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Scary. All right, next we have Michael in London. My holy crap moment was, holy crap, how bloody annoying was Carl during Rick's gun lesson? What a flippin' know-it-all. I would have told him to shut up or worse if I was Ron. Really graded on me, that did. Uh, and I like Carl. Yeah, and it's because Carl wouldn't shut up during the lesson. Like his dad, the police officer, who has years of training, training with weapons and formal training, Carl who's a teenager who's had to learn, you know, on the job, so to speak, in the zombie apocalypse, granted, is great with a weapon, knows what he's doing, but it's like, just shut the hell up. Let your dad do his thing here. Stop saying stupid things like, uh, you got to pick your target and uh, aim your weapon and whatever else he said. So if I was Rick, I would have told Carl to get, get lost. Yeah. Get out of here. You're not helping. You're being a jerk. You're being annoying. Exactly. You're going to see him later with this gun. Don't you worry about it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, a couple more. Jack in rainy England. My holy crap, did you see that is, despite what Maggie would have you believe, baby Judith looks nothing like Laurie at all, in the slightest. Not one bit. <laughs> so Yeah, maybe maybe Maggie forgot what Laurie looked like, because she forgot what her sister, forgot that her sister existed at all. It's been so maybe f- she's thinking of somebody else. It's been four years, I mean... Or four seasons, so uh, that's a long time. And they've traveled all the way from Georgia to D.C., so... Uh, I'm yeah. she didn't call her Lauren. Lauren. That baby looks just like Lauren. <laughs> just like your, your your dead wife, Lauren. Who? It's like Lori. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's blonde, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, what does... Uh, it's me again, right? It's the last one, and this one, I'll just say, is a little bit... A little bit spoilery from the comics. Now, nothing specific here is mentioned, but astute listeners may be able to put two and two together. And this is our last holy crap. So if you don't want to hear this one, you know, skip ahead, I don't know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and and that'll be that. So go, Jason, quick. All right, here we go. Holy crap, did you see that? Jesse has Judith. Now I'm worried for Judith, and I hope Jesse can keep her safe and hope that scene from the comics doesn't happen. That's it. I hope so, too. That was from Nancy so, in Midvale, Utah. I don't know if you said that. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, no, I didn't. Thank you, Nancy. All right. So, you were about to go on with something? Well, I think if it is spoilery for the comic, is it spoilery for the comic after I've uh, after I've read the comic? Um, I, I think... Or did I forget? No, I think it's spoilery for the comic after you've read it, but um, I just think that people can put two and two together after yeah. hearing hearing that or just make some assumptions but i i don't know you know we'll see how the show plays out sure all right thank you so much to everyone who wrote in with your holy crap moments over the next couple of days keep continue sending your feedback in we will do a feedback show on wednesday as usual and uh we'll read it all then so that is it um stay tuned after the end if you want to hear my little <laughs> my little talk about what's going on with the MRI that the wife had. So if not, though, uh, we will see you next time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the internet uh, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead or on Twitter at TalkingDead. And you can find our website on the internet at TalkingDeadPodcast.com where all of our episodes are available if you just go back through the years. 
Um, all right. So as I said, we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you so much, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. All right, everyone. So here is the deal. My wife, whose name is Christina. Yes, we have the same name. In case Chris you, and Christina. In case you wanted to point that out. I'm sure I've said her name here before, but uh, everyone always points that out when they first meet us. It's like, hey, guys, you have the same name. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason she had an MRI is because it was a follow-up to some sort of minor, but not super minor surgery she had uh, last month, maybe five or six weeks ago now. She had something called an oophorectomy. Jason, do you know what an oophorectomy is? Uh, well, I do because I, I know what happened. But did you before? No, God, no. No, I didn't either. I had to look it up. And uh, an oophorectomy is having your ovaries and fallopian tubes removed. And the reason she went under, underwent this procedure is because uh, last year we found out that she has something called the BRCA1 gene mutation, or BRCA1, they call it. Mm -hmm. And so this is a gene mutation that puts her at an enormously increased risk for things like ovarian cancer and breast cancer. So what many women choose to do in this scenario is just have it all taken out. So it eliminates the chance of the cancer happening, the ovarian or uh, breast. Um, so she had that surgery. It went great. She's basically fully recovered from it at this point. But the MRI was just a follow-up to that. So uh, thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. It really, you know, touched me that everyone was so concerned. Um, but she's doing fine and uh, seems like she will be doing fine going, going ahead. And honestly, it wasn't that difficult a decision for her and for us oh. as a family to... Uh, to to go through with this because you know we've decided that we've had all the kids we want we're 40 years old and you know uh, we're at a point where there were no more kids coming along so why wait any longer because the longer you go past 40 just the chances increase of cancer and stuff like that so it was the right time um and in case anyone is wondering about it a little bit more it is the same uh, mutation that angelina jolie had and she's you know been very public about her her procedures she's done the same thing she's done the breast removal and the ovary oh, probably i don't know did she do a full hysterectomy i can't remember but she had similar stuff done so it's basically the same thing it's uh, a big deal but not a big deal at the same time because we're sort of dealing with it but uh that's it and everything should be okay so again thanks everyone for for con being concerned and uh it's really nice but uh everything's fine <laughs>